This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, so we're busy with a series on, it's called God's Burden Bearers. Okay, the moment when we think of the word burden, we think of something negative. But it's not negative if you know this relationship with God. How does it work and what does God call us to? And there's a lot of Christians going through this life. They don't know the calling on their life. Okay. And so we started uh, last Sunday morning and there were four characters. Tonight we're going to look at the fourth one. So if you missed out, sorry, if you snooze, you lose. God, he said, God, use me to be a builder. Use me to restore because of the captivity that Israel was in. He had a heart for restoration. And this morning we looked at Joshua. He was a leader that had to lead God's people into the promised land. And uh, there was a lot of things that we're going to look at, just one or two of those things in Nehemiah's life to recap in Joshua's life. And then tonight we're going to focus on the life of Daniel. The life of Daniel. So what is our key scripture? Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30. Jesus says, come to me, all the labor, and I give it and I give it And he says, if you have burdens in this world, come bring it to me. Come and exchange it. He says, I will give you rest. But then he says something more, because this is normally where we stop. We tell people, bring your burdens to Jesus. Jesus is going to take, Jesus loves you just the way you are. Wonderful, come to him, he loves you so much. But that's not the, all of the gospel. He says, I want an exchange. I want your burdens, the burdens that you put on yourself. I want the burdens that the world puts on you. I want those burdens because they're not from me and you will not live when they're on you. But I want to give you another burden. I want to give you a yoke. And this is what he says. He says, and learn from me because this is a process of learning. This is a process of growing. You're never going to stop. You're never going to arrive. It's always learning. It's always yoking together with Christ. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in your heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There he says it again. The only way you're going to find rest for your soul is in the middle, in the center of the will of God for your life. And then he promises us, he says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What is a burden? What is a yoke? It's God's task, God's calling on your life and on our lives together. Just as we have an individual calling or uh, some, something God wants to stir in your heart, that thing that, that you feel like, wow, if I can change this thing, if I can do this for the kingdom, it's going to be different for all of us. But he says here that also for us as a group, for this church, there's a calling, there's a, there's a burden, there's a yoke, and it, does, it says it's easy, but it's not cheap. The angels are coming in, they, they're coming closer, can you hear? Okay, so it's not cheap, turn to your neighbor and say it's not cheap. So, so we learned this whole concept in 1 Peter 1 verse 5 and 7. It says, bring your burdens, cast your burdens on him. Abide in me. God says, come to me. First come. Before you try to do anything in the kingdom, first come. It's always come. And then there's the great exchange. That's the cross. The message of the cross is the great exchange. Your sins for God's forgiveness. Your, your captivity for his freedom. But there are not many other Christians that carry on like that because most people think that your and my life is about inviting God into our lives. And that's not what the gospel is about. The story of God, and this is why Daniel is so important, because Daniel writes about the sovereignty of God. He writes about the fear of God. He writes about despite the kings that lived and the empires that ruled, he writes about God is in control. 
And so the whole story about your relationship with God is not you inviting God into your life, but God inviting you into what he is doing. And so we must stop our prayers that says, oh Lord, please be with me. <laughs> because it's not scriptural to pray like that. If you're a Christian, God will be with you, he says, even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you. And that's why we need to position ourselves and bring us to that place where we learn from him every day. Okay. I just need to greet Pastor Tuar there from Jakarta. I told him I wear the shirt he gave to me. It's beautiful, eh? Okay, now we now's the time to take the photo. I'm embarrassing my teenage daughter, but so it's probably the closest I'll get to prosperity God to another God. And what are you gonna do about it? What am I gonna do about it? What are we gonna do about it? I'm talking about the drinking on this campus. I'm talking about thousands of people. Many of them, 70% of them, will call themselves Christians. But they have no relationship with the Lord. We sing I and me, we sing we and us. Because singing is about agreeing who God is over our lives. It's not just about having a nice feeling. Oh, that was a nice song. Ah, Jacobus didn't do the key, so lick on that song. Oh, I like that worship leader, you know. He does it for me and he's got the looks, you know. Chris, he's like, whew, he's got the looks, you know. But that other worship leader, uh-uh, you know. And then, because worship isn't about that. That's a compliment, Chris. Where's Chris? Chris is still single, but in any case, so. <laughs> but so, but the moment when we as believers come into agreement to what God is saying over this town, who God is, nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ. And then there's distractions. Oh, they just said, Nehemiah, get off the wall. Come, come, let's have a committee meeting. Let's, let's not focus on building the wall. Let's not focus on fighting and building because on the one side they had a sword, on the other side they had like this building truffle and it was like, yeah. And Nehemiah said, stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. Don't get off. Every family build in front of your house. And within a record time, the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt. Distractions. Oh, but it's just so many options, you know. I'm just over Amp Camp, so I'm not going to go to Amp Camp. But maybe God is going to say one thing in Amcamp that's going to change your life, but you're not there when he speaks. Because it's time of consecration, time of worship. Oh, and then discouragement. But I have prayed before. I have been there. I was excited in my first year, but you know, now I'm fourth year. Done that, bought the t-shirt. And so the devil moves with discouragement. Why? Because he wants to steal the faith that you have. It wants to rob you of your faith, that, that expectation to, to just believe God, just to stand in the gap. I, I really believe that as we worship God, as we sing like we, we don't need, going to need anybody to pray for us. We're going to just see healings and deliverances and just the power of God come. You know, just this week, I, very funny story, very humbling story. But so a guy, an older person in, that joined the church like maybe two months ago, he said, last week Sunday, he comes to me, he says to me, I want to make an appointment with you. Last week Sunday, my life changed completely in the morning service. And I thought like in the back of my mind, oh, yeah, that was a good sermon. <laughs> then he, the second sentence he told me is, and it had nothing to do with the sermon. So I thought, like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> just put him straight in the box, you know. 
And then he says, something happened during the service because apparently what I said is I said like, church, wake up! And then I clapped my hands like this and the next moment he says there was lightning striking his body from top to bottom. And he was completely lame. He just sat there and he realized the Holy Spirit says, wake up, church. Wake up, church. Wake up, church. He couldn't remember anything else of the sermon. So I said, yes, God. Because I'm not working with God. We I'm not working for God, we're working with God. And so the amazing thing of yoking with God is to, to get rid of that unbelief, the fear, the distractions, the discouragement. And then what the devil wants is division. He wants to bring division in your life. Where's Ben Jason? Ben Jason, will you come here quickly? Okay, it's a high new year. High new? High new? Fast high new. Is that he? Come high new. And Ben Jason. Now, as you can see, there's one very big guy and one very small guy. I'm not talking about the flesh. You're judging in the flesh now. I'm talking about spiritually, okay? <laughs> but, clean pakisselen, eh? I know. I know I want you to take one. Go for it. Just the oldest thing. Don't let it fall. We, we borrowed it, okay? It's very expensive, okay? It's not ours. It comes from like an antique shop, 3,000 rand. If you break it, you pay for it. Okay, so hold this thing, hold this thing. Okay, there you go, okay. Okay, Ben Jason, take two steps. I only take one. Okay, take... No, 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 you're taking four. Okay. You, you are studying engineering, right? Okay, but no, no, okay. You take two, you take one, okay? This is not working. Okay, take two. Take two. Okay, I know one, okay? Take two, Ben Jason, I know one, Okay. What's happening? It's not working. <laughs> They're going in circles. That's what's supposed to happen. Okay, are you, are you with me? <laughs> so, so this is... Okay, go down a little bit. You can scrum, Dibin Jason. You scrum on your dog. Okay, so... Okay. He plays for Martis. Okay, but so... So take one and I need to take one. If you want to yoke together with God, it's like learning to come into that space of working with him, not just doing a lot of things for him. Otherwise, you're going to go in circles. So some of us, we want to take three steps, and then Jesus takes one. We're always ahead, and then we burn out. Some of us, we're always making excuses. We take one. <laughs> Are you all right? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like they're suffering, okay? Some of us, Jesus takes two, and then you just take one. You're always, and some people take none. But there's a yoke that you need to take up. It's a yoke that you need to carry with him. But it's easy because you've been made. It fits you. Okay? And Jesus is the strongest one. But he's going to teach you. Because it doesn't seem like it fit. It doesn't seem like he's so strong and he's like spiritually strong but physically small. But God wants you to yoke together. Okay, so walk a, practice. Walk around the church. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe, maybe pick him up, Ben Jason. I don't know. Okay, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay, no, that's all right. You can bring it back. <laughs> okay. Jose, thanks, guys. Let's give them a round of applause. Okay. So if you, if you are a fast runner, always ahead of God, you'll burn out because you'll perform. If you are a slow runner, 
you always make excuses. No, I'm not good enough. God can't use me. I'm not spiritual enough. Because you know, that small group leader, yo, that guy, she, 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 she's like spiritual. She drinks tea with the angels every morning at quarter past 11. <laughs> so obviously the angels doesn't come to me because they're drinking tea with her, you know? And you think like, but these enemies that want to distract you, that want to divide you, that want to bring you into a place of unbelief so that you never trust God and you never taste of the goodness of God. Jesus said, and I quoted that scripture last week, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food, just like I eat food. That's my food. That's my real, that's what sustains me. That's what gives me life is when I do the will of God. And so that's connected with how God called Joshua and so, Joshua 1 verse 1 to 9, we spoke about it this morning. He said to Joshua, Joshua, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. You, get up and start moving. Now Moses was this massive, great leader. And Joshua was always halfway, but God never spoke directly to Joshua, but he spoke directly to Moses. And so now, Joshua is sitting there with all the excuses, and God says to him, Joshua, get up. Moses is dead. Stop using things of your past. Stop using excuses. Stop looking at other people when God says to you, arise, go into the promised land. So he gives Joshua this promise, but he gives him the exact place that he must take the promised land. He doesn't say anything. He says, look here, this is the promise. This is my grace. And that is what grace means. is an enablement to do his will. God gives you grace to do what he's called you to do. But bring your fish and your bread. Bring what you have. Bring it to the table. Bring it to Jesus. Don't bring it to yourself. Don't bring it to the people. Bring it to Jesus and let him pray over that fish and bread. And see how it multiplies. So some of us are too fast. Some of us are too slow. But the guarantee for Joshua was very simply. God says it every time. He says, lo, I'll be with you. I'm going to be with you. When you yoke with me, you're going to need to learn a couple of things, but that's amazing. The, the big thing is not the promise, it is my presence. Joshua, it is my presence with you. And therefore it says, you're going to need to be strong and courageous. You're going to need to, there's massive giants in that promised land. The other spies said, oh, we like grasshoppers in the eyes of these giants, so we're not going to go in. Joshua said, hey, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. Because if God said, we're going to go. Him and his friend comes there. You know, his friend is 80 years old. And he says, well, we went all around in circles because we didn't want to yoke with God. But now I'm 80 years old. I'm stronger now than what I was the first time when we got around you. And then God says, don't be distracted, Joshua. Meditate on my word. So let's talk a bit about Daniel. Daniel was living in an environment of compromise. And tonight you need to make a decision right where you are. I don't know where you are, what's happening in your life. But you're going to need to make a very, very strong decision on the way you're going to go ahead. You're going to need to make a decision whether you want the favor of God on your life. And so Daniel here in Daniel 1 verse 8 to 9. But Daniel purposed in his heart, he made a decision. That he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. What happened is they were in captivity. 
The whole nation was in captivity and some young men were chosen to come and serve in the king's palace and to do stuff and all that stuff. And so they had this big program that they had to run. And Daniel and his friends said, no. The guy in charge said, if the king sees that you like, you know, your countenance is down or whatever, then it's not going to work. But so Daniel says, no, 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 just give us a couple of days. So Daniel decides that he's not going to compromise because those food were offered to idols, were offered to the idols of the day. And Daniel said, I'm going to stand. And so we see the story of Daniel of God's sovereign rule. The first six chapters about Daniel and his friends where they had to live faithfully under the yoke of a world system. The last couple of chapters, as Daniel was just persistent and following God, we see some of the most amazing prophecies of the end times. And some of us are living in those days now. Daniel saw it back then, a couple of hundred years before Christ. Because Daniel had a focus. Daniel decided not to compromise. Daniel had a couple of friends. Listen to this in Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Because there was a decree and some people wanted you know, to expose these guys. And so they said, well, if you don't worship to that king, Nebuchadnezzar, what we're going to do is we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And listen to what they say, the friends. Daniel was in the palace, so he wasn't with him. But three of them, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Wow, that's boldness. (laughs) says, whether God delivers us or not, it's not about that. We will not bow to the gods that you have set up. And then we know the story. The king, you know, the guys find out he doesn't, they don't bow, they throw them in the fiery furnace, everybody burns outside, and the king looks into the fire and there are four people walking in the fire. The angel and the three friends of Daniel. Because God will deliver those who fear him. And this is such a beautiful picture. But the church in South Africa, we need to make a decision. You cannot have half of your feet in the world and half of your feet in the kingdom anymore. You cannot play church, church. And I said it last week. Somebody came to me and says, I'm so offended. I said, I'm glad you're offended by the truth. I'm not out to offend you. But the biggest challenge for us is compromising Christians. People that on Tuesday and Wednesday, they compromise. But on Sunday, they're sitting in church. Well, that's just a religious thing. Because then it's about you. But there's a generation of Daniels. There's a generation of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the Bible talks about Daniel and says some things that were happening in his life. Let's look at them. First, in the five, chapter 5, verse 11 to 12, there is a man in your kingdom. This is now what the unsaved people, the non-Jewish people say about Daniel. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, now this is the son of of him already, your father the king made him a chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit, say an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, Solving riddles. Okay, so there were riddles in the Bible as well. Okay, and explain enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar now let Daniel be called and he will give the interpretation. 
So Nebuchadnezzar found such that Daniel was so full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Talks about an excellent spirit that was on Daniel. That the guy says, look at that guy. You need to call that guy. Because all the magicians, all the soothsayers, they could know what was the dream, but they couldn't interpret the dreams. And so Daniel and his friends was ten times above, the Bible says, about the world and the people around. Because he had an excellent spirit. He had a place with God. And God's favor was so much on his life, and he stood up. Now imagine, on a Monday morning, Daniel overseeing the magicians, the soothsayers, the witch doctors, the witchcraft people. I wonder what, what was his speech on a Monday morning, because he was head of all these people. <laughs> so you talk about not just a spiritual experience in church, but people that had such a favor of God in the workplace out there, that everyone had respect for them. God is raising up a generation. Listen to this. What was one of Daniel's secrets? And we can see it in chapter 6 verse 9. Therefore King Darius, Darius signed the written decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, this is now, again, we're going to worship God, their gods, bow down to their gods. Listen to what happens when Daniel hears that the decree has been signed. The decree says, you're not allowed to worship God anymore and you're not allowed to read your Bible anymore. Imagine that happens tomorrow. And it's on the way. Ravi Zakaria said the other day I had an interview with him and they said the church in the West our biggest problem is they will not be able to face persecution because they've not learned to suffer for Christ. They want the benefits and the blessings of Christ. But persecution is going to come. Whether you like it or not, within the next 10 years, Europe is going to be Muslim. Our world is going to change. And are you ready? Oh, but you can't prophesy things like that. Just look at the growth rate. Eight children for every family in Belgium and France. Two for every French couple. So if we don't wake up and take the gospel to Europe, Europe is going to bring another gospel to us. <gasps> Read the signs. <laughs> Read the times. Therefore King Darius signed the written decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And this was his custom since early days. <laughs> Daniel just said, I'm going to just, that's my default, I'm going to go to God. I've built in a discipline, a devoted life, in the word, in my prayer life. I'm not just running off the experience. So when the decree comes out, the fear comes out, everybody, Daniel just goes back home, opens up his window, and he prays to God. He says, God, you're sovereign. I said, yeah, he served the Lord wholeheartedly despite a world of compromise. He was living a holy life. What is holiness? Is to separate yourself unto God. Is to live a different life. Not to judge.